Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Live and Learn with Daniel Floyd. For those of you that don't know me, I'm your host, Daniel. I'm a teacher and a family man, striving to be better every day through open-minded conversations. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us. On this episode, my wife and I were able to sit down with my cousin Kayleen and her husband Jake to talk about education from a parent's perspective. I'm very glad that we were able to have them on the podcast. Not only do Kayleen and Jake have experience as educators, but they also have three young children, the oldest of whom has recently become school age. In our conversation, we discuss several questions that I think are relevant for Christian parents regarding their kids' education. Questions like, what kind of mindset should parents even have regarding their kids' education? Should Christian families send their kids to public school? Should they only go to private Christian schools? Should all Christian families homeschool? Does it even matter? I know that I was definitely encouraged by the conversation with Jake and Kayleen, and I have to say I was deeply impressed by the conviction and the wisdom that they spoke with as we covered this topic. If you are a parent with school-aged children, I hope you're able to take something valuable away from this conversation. Or maybe you're listening to this conversation and you're not a parent of school-aged children, but you know someone who is. Consider sending this episode to them to get their perspective and help extend this conversation. I always like to think of these podcast episodes as the beginning of a conversation, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or send me an email. My contact information is in the show notes below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Thank you all again for listening. Let's get into it. Have you guys been on a podcast before? Nope. Well, welcome. Thanks. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for being here, guys. Um, so, I don't know. I just wanted to jump in. So, we have, obviously, Shalene is here. Hello, Shalene. Hello. Glad you're here. We have Kayleen and Jake Coffin. Woot woot. Hi. Hey. Which I'm really excited for you guys. Uh, I'm really excited that we're obviously here in Tucson visiting you guys. I think this is the first episode outside of Kirksville. So congratulations of being Ooh. Say what? The, fir- <laughs> the first one out of town. Wait, Des was there? Moines? Oh, was that, that was on, on the, the other KV podcast. Pod. That was the KV oh, pod. I'm this so is living sorry. Room. Yeah, no, this wow. on this podcast. <laughs> we just have credit. too many irons in the fire. Credit or credit. Yeah, credit is too. Okay. But anyway, so I mean I'll let you guys introduce yourselves real quick, but just you guys are well, Kayleen's my cousin, so we go way back. Jake, we don't go as far back, but we're already tight, I feel like. It's true. Um, but yeah, I wanted I wanted to take the advantage. I mean, we could have done this conversation remote, but that's less fun. Um, it's cooler to do it in person. But I just wanted to talk to you guys about your perspective on education, basically. So you both have either are educators or have been educators, and then you also are in a interesting phase of life, at least for me, because you guys have young kids. And so you also have like the parenting side that you guys are going through. And so basically with this conversation, I just want to like take an hour to get your thoughts on education from those various perspectives. 
So before we like get into specific questions, if you guys just want to like introduce yourselves, like who are you? Who are you as an educator? And just like like the th- three minute, five minute version of that. <laughs> she points at me. I point at her. Oh, it's me. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I actually am one of those people that have actually fallen into education. Probably when I went into my creative writing degree, I was one of those people when people would come up to me and be like, oh, you're a creative writing major. So where are you going to teach? Or <laughs> it was... kind of assumed it. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have a milkshake and some fries. You know, it was like, you know, jokes like that. Rude. So, yeah. Hashtag rude. We have a friend who was an art major, and it was a, it was a lot of like, oh, you're an art major? So, like, where do you waitress? You know? It's just like... Ooh. And then she was mad because it was true at the time she was waitressing. But anyway. Yeah. It, it, it scrapes at the pride. Yes. Uh, ironically... I didn't want to be a teacher for that reason because I felt like that would be giving in somehow. Like I didn't want people to call that for my life. Uh, I was like, I'm going to be a write the next great American novel or whatever. Sure. Uh, but uh, it, I'll keep the story much shorter. I, I got into teaching by necessity. Like I needed a job and that was really the only place I can go. And honestly, don't regret it at all. It was such a, a great opportunity. I started out in middle school teaching reading and writing, uh, really mostly grammar in the writing spot, but then was very grateful to move up and start teaching American Lit to juniors in high school. That was probably my favorite. I had a blast teaching that for three years. So... That's uh, my education background in a nutshell. What about you, babe? Before, sorry, if I could jump in. We yeah. don't have to name super specifics, but were you at a public school, charter school, Christian school? Christian school. Okay, yeah, cool. Just wanted to get that. What about you, Kayleen? So my teaching career started, um, well, I had always seen my mom teaching. You know, she taught at the Kirksville school. She taught right. when we went to the church school and then moved out to Raleigh and she was helping with that church school. So I had always been around teaching and I knew that I was like, I want to be a teacher. I want to have the red pen. I want to grade things. And I want That's <laughs> just amazing. seeing my mom so make was, all the bulletin board things. Was that like a power move? Like I want the red pen or is it just like the organization and like, I want to like, I don't know. I'm curious. Oh, it's all the organization. Okay. Yeah. I had a feeling. But. Yeah. Color coding organization. That's another podcast. There you go. Um, but yeah, so it started with, with that, watching my mom make the little bulletin board things and organize it and put it all up. And then went into high school and had like a momentary lapse of like midlife, mid high school career collapse. Hopefully not midlife. No, <laughs> mid high school going, I don't know what I want to be. And then I got into um, a children's church classroom and I was like, okay, I want to be a teacher went to do uh, music education at U of A and then taught for a couple years at a church school uh, for four years. And at that point I was kind of like moving schools using music as that route. But I was kind of getting to a point where I was like, I want more than just the music realm because music was considered like you do specials, which is, you know, once or twice a week. And it's very irregular with the students. And I was like, I I wanted more FaceTime with students. I wanted more 
time with them to have a core subject, to have something that I knew would be very impactful. Not that music can't be impactful, but yeah. So then I went back to school at Grand Canyon University to get my uh, my degree in educational administration. And from there, I had been a vice principal at a Christian school for, um, for independent Christian school for a year and a half. So Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll come back around to that, but then... So there, so there's that. And then the other cool thing is that, so you guys have kids and I am, we kind of talked about this the other day when we were hanging out at your house. And I've also just kind of heard, cause I've talked to people that you've talked to and stuff like that. Uh, Uh-oh. mutual friends. It sounds like I'm doing investigative something or other, but no, no, no. Investigative journalism. Yeah. So then I guess hmm, I'm trying to figure out how to, what angle I want to come at this from. So it is of my opinion, and it's my view, um, that as Christians, I think we come at education from a very different angle than maybe someone who is not a Christian, hmm. or maybe someone who is of a different religion and that type of thing. And so, I mean, I would imagine that you guys were teaching at a Christian school um, by choice, and I don't know what the lay of the land looks like in terms of Maybe you didn't have a choice. Maybe there's only Christian schools here, or maybe you did you intentionally. Actually, let me ask that question. Did you intentionally avoid teaching at like a public school or an in like I guess there's a lot of charter schools here in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Did you seek out a Christian school to teach at, or did that just kind of happen? Because I don't know. Maybe there's just so many Christian schools in this area that <laughs> not so many. Okay, so um, curious about that. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, you know, I'll start because, you know, I, at the time I really was like looking for a job. And I think at the time when I was looking for employment before I was a teacher and I was just starting to kind of look into what that would mean. Um, maybe this sounds bad, but I was almost certain that I would sooner get hired at a Christian school than I would get hired at a public school based on my lack of a teaching credential. Hmm. Okay. Um, because Christian schools, uh, at least the one that I worked at, kind of looks at the hiring process of teachers um, from a different set of values, I think. Hmm. Not that the teaching credential is bad. Like, certainly that is the better option. And they strongly pushed me uh, to earn that, to get that, to make sure that I got that covered later on in my time there. Um, but they were looking for something different, more substantial than that, more in character, more in subject value expertise, uh, more in somebody that they they wanted to be in front of the kids, pouring into their lives. Um, I think they maybe just inherently realized that a teaching credential doesn't necessarily guarantee them that kind of person. Um, so I think maybe almost on a subconscious level, I knew going into the Christian school that they would see me differently. I didn't have to go in there and be um, advocating for my value or my place in the school. It was more of, hey, I'm a Christian guy. I share your values. I love kids. I love pouring into their lives. I also happen to be a subject area expert on reading and writing, mm-hmm. and that was enough. 
Whereas maybe just in my brain, I didn't feel like that would be enough in a public school. So I didn't even look at a public school in the beginning. And that was pretty much the only reason. I mean, I don't have... On the other side of the coin of the same question, um, the ironically, the Christian side of me also... The Christian side of me. Is there a side of me? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to the non-Christian <laughs> side of me. The other side, side. of the, co- the dark side of the coin. There, yeah, there is a dark side of the coin. Um, I think when it comes to being a Christian, I, I probably have a lot more real value in a public school. Hmm. Um because that's light in the darkness, and that's light where it is um, has the most efficacy. Okay. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's not n- anything against Christian schools. I just kind of had an epiphany about halfway through working for a Christian school where I realized um, my message would almost be better suited to a group of kids who didn't know all this stuff on the intellectual level. And yeah, my light would have some efficacy, but that's interesting. I'm I'm curious. So, are you saying that from a point of like you individually, like you feel like you would fit better or have have more sense of purpose in a public school, um, or are you maybe even speaking more broadly of like if you're a Christian and you want to be an educator, you should yes. you like all of us should maybe consider I think not being in a Christian school, Correct. quote unquote. This is just my two cents, but um, and I'm actually not the only person who thinks this. I read a, an awesome galvanizing book that is <laughs> written by um, a guy named Bob Reiner, who has um, who has um, passed away since um, he's been gone from us since about 1997. But he wrote this book called Roaring Lambs, specifically about the music industry. But he was really writing to Christian artists all over the place, challenging them to stop being a Christian subculture all the time and actually make intentional efforts to impact culture, Mm. other Mm -hmm. cultures, the Mm -hmm. world. And so, again, nothing necessarily against Christian schools. Um, I think, especially as parents, if um, I think I can totally understand a parent sending their child to a Christian school where they feel like, you know, they can be protected. There's some safety in that. But I do think the world is in some desperate need for some people of character, of Christian character to be um, in public schools, as you are, Daniel. So that's off to you. I happen to agree with you (laughs) in in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so, yeah, I want to come back to that. What about you, Kayleen? So... Did you intentionally seek out, like, I want to teach at a Christian school, or was that circumstantial? What did that look like for you? It was more about, uh, I was looking for a job in teaching. I really wanted to get into teaching, but I was still in school, so I didn't have my degree yet. Okay. So I didn't have the qualifications to go into the public school yet. Mm -hmm. But Christian schools, especially, like, independent Christian schools, um, depending on who their accreditation is through, you don't have to have a degree in education. Hmm. Uh, You have to have some form of a degree, but you don't have to have a degree in education to get in. So I was able to get in going, hey, I'm about to have my degree. It's going to be in music education. They took me in as their music teacher because they needed it. It was like February when I joined. Um, And from there, 
the reason I switched schools was because Jake was at the other school and I was like, Oh, we can be on the same schedule and have the same summers. And, um, it just worked out really well that way. But I've also seen, I, I've told several people this, but some of the best teachers that I've seen as far as it goes as student engagement, um, student scores, classroom management, behavior management, all that have a background in public school. I was like, mm. they, there's something about it that just makes such a strong, um, like decisive teacher who just comes out of a public school and then they come into, you know, to the independent Christian schools or something. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, you're amazing. What's your background? The, almost all of them, like 99% of them are like, oh yeah, well I used to teach at such and such in this district and this public school. It's like, I wish I would have had a chance to go do that. Like that's one of the things I think about often. Interesting. Yeah. I f- it's funny you say that because I think I kind of, in a weird way, share that sentiment of like, because like we have Christian schools in our area and I haven't taught at any of them, even though like I graduated from one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always just felt like I was supposed to be in a public school. And even though I don't necessarily personally align with all of the values and the worldviews that are kind of propagated or taught whether explicitly or implicitly through the culture there Mm -hmm. I just felt like that's where I was supposed to be and that's where I I, I'm supposed to contribute to this community as an educator um but yeah there's something about public school where it's like you get I mean just the sheer volume of kids yeah that you get the sheer variety and diversity Mm -hmm. of kids whether it's personality diversity racial diversity economic diversity academic ability diversity just like all of that stuff and like having to work with all of that at the same time Mm -hmm. really is like really sharpens you you or you sink or swim in in some level yeah (laughs) and uh yeah yeah i could go into a whole thing of like how my first year was like that was rough and i think a lot of teachers would say that their first year is probably their worst year of teaching which makes sense i mean you're the least experienced you know whatever you haven't figured anything out but but then I don't know. I've heard you talk about also wanting to eventually then go and teach in a private school or start your own after. So kind of seeing the public school years as your training period. Yes, I do say that. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Well, and so what I'm saying is like, what's interesting is like, there is something about that, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like we're kind of implying that like, oh, the Christian schools are soft or, you know, soft on training or, discipline or whatever and maybe that can be the case for some schools i also wonder if it's just because they're they're smaller the student population is less well teaching five kids versus teaching 25 kids i think is just like a fundamentally different job Mm -hmm. yeah and i think honestly there's just a big difference in even just the business side of it that um is just fundamentally different like public schools are you know, run by much larger committees of people whose job it is is to put these different things into place. Whereas uh, Christian schools are like, you know, very small administrative teams. Mm. Uh, And when you think about it, it's actually kind of a small miracle that certain number of things get done at all (laughs) in Christian schools. Uh, So uh, my experience in the Christian school is, you know, they, they value so much of the stuff that we're talking about and they endeavor to do it. And oftentimes it's simply just a lack of resources. Mm -hmm. Wow. I sound like I'm talking about a lot of different Christian industries when I say that, but it is sometimes (laughs) just a simple, 
resources are not abundant. So you got to be creative in a way to address certain needs yeah. in your scholastic communities. And it's not even just the money resource in Christian schools either. Like sometimes that is a problem. No, uh, people. But it's it's the people resource because one of the things that I've heard so many times at the school that I was working at is that it's so hard to find um, Christian math teachers and Christian science teachers because yeah. it's so easy for them to go make so much more money in engineering or in a field that really pays more. So it's like when you find those teachers, you got to keep them because yeah. um, you know people are are the greatest resource in teaching. Um, to bump back to what you were talking about earlier about wearing the two hats of private school, public school, being a parent and being a teacher, I think that as a teacher, I would love to have the chance to teach in a public school, but then I wear a different hat when I'm looking at it from a parent perspective. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I I want my kid to be in a place where they can be where it's a safe environment for them to learn about Jesus and, and, you know, have people pour into their lives with that I can trust and that I know who they are. And a lot of times in private schools, you, you, because they're smaller, you know, those people and you have more one-on-one conversations, but at the same time, some of the strongest Christians I know were the ones that went to public school, you know, and they, because they had to go through that fire, they came out refined. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And so it's like, I wear this hat of going, and now there's then there's also the homeschool, which is what we're gonna try next year. It's like, okay, while they're younger, we're trying homeschool. It's like, what what's gonna happen after that? You know, do we keep them in that arena because we've seen that work? Do we put them in a Christian school? That's you know, you and I are both products of graduating from a Christian school, yeah, right? A church school. A church school. Super Christiany. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> even <Super> smaller <laughs> segment yeah. of that. It's a whole other league of Christian. Yeah. And then so there's, there's dark side Christian, there's <laughs> super Christian. This right. podcast is super interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the, you know, and then there's public school. It's like I've seen people go through all three and be successful. So it's really, it's something that you just have to, have to hear God on to be like, what is my, right? what am I supposed to do with my kids individually? Because they're all so different. Yeah. Daniel and I have talked about that a lot of like. What are we going to do? How much of it comes down to your family life? Yeah. And like, okay, hearing the Lord on it and going, like, is there any one thing that you can be like, thus saith the Lord, your children should be in da da da. And I think the answer is no. That's why we have all of the options. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's that. And that's the question I've been asking of like, is there like not a one size fits all answer, but is there. Um, universal wisdom, maybe to say, like, if you're a Christian with a five-year-old, I would recommend you put them in X, Y, Z type of school. Is there such type of advice? And that's something that we've been talking about. But another thing, I thought you maybe go in this direction, Shalene, but maybe you weren't. Of like, when it comes to like the character development and moral development of your kids, I am becoming more and more convinced that the number one factor for that is the home and the family mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. and the parenting, parental involvement, all of that kind of stuff yeah. is I think the primary predictor of obviously, you know, kids are individuals, they make their own choices, they have to, you know, buy into, if you will, whatever they're being raised in. Mm-hmm. But whether something is going to work against them or work for them in that regard, I think is the home life. And then I would say maybe church life and then school environment 
is like second or third in terms of being the most influential for that. Yeah. Um, Kayleen and I have, you know, we've, we've read several stuff about this. We've been, this value has been passed down to us by some generational wisdom, things like that. But we've just even seen in our own kids. Um, well, first of all, there's, there's so much stuff out there talking about how to be the best parent and, you know, where to send your kids to school and public school or private school, right? And you have success stories and failure stories on both sides, right? right? right. So um, one thing, though, that we've seen that seems fairly universal, and even when Kayleen and I look back on our own lives and how we think of our parents and how we see our own upbringing, uh, and we have been brought up differently, but one thing that has been that has been common between the two of us, and we see this as a huge pro in our own families, is, and science is, is lots of scientific studies have been done on this that are, are starting to recognize this and validate this, that children at, 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 at possibly early age, like before one years old, one, that's their most formative time of life, but they're so receptive and cognizant and aware of the love that passes between mom and dad. Hmm. Like they are intuitively aware of how mom and dad are on a relational level. Interesting. And they can pick up on these relational cues, these social cues when things are not good between mom and dad, when there's a divide in the house. So simply a unified house and just the understanding and the repeated assertions and, um, you know, comforting words, reminding your kids and showing your kids mom and dad are a team. Mom and dad love each other. Hmm. And um, within reason, we let our kids see, you know, our PDA within reason, right? <laughs> like, so, you know, holding hands, hugging, kissing, our kids see that, you know, of course, like, yuck, you know, but we also <laughs> know and we see it that they are, they are set, they are a piece kind of starts blossoming in them about like, we're okay. Hmm. And I think that even though I grew up homeschooled, my parents were along the lines of we'll just skip the drama period and just not subject our children to anyone, which I mean, I'm a little crazy, so I'm not sure how well that worked, but you know, <laughs> and then Kayleen went to, uh, uh, well, you went to, Private school, private school, church schools, schools. two different ones, right? Because you moved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the common factor, though, between us is we both look at and we go, well, we knew our parents were good. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Our parents, both of our parents were very, um, very direct and explicit about um, the absence of the the D word, the divorce word. Right. We live in fear of that. Hmm. Well, and. The science that you were talking about, the studies that we've read, science. at least science, is that <laughs> that'll go in a movie podcast later. Science um, is that when kids know that home is okay and there's not a whole bunch of things happening at home that's you know disruptive, kids have that security and then they feel safe in other areas. Meaning they're more open to learning, they're more open to you know all kinds of things, which also teachers have to create that safe environment at school too of course for them to be open to learning but it starts at home with them being internally settled and knowing that the fam their family identity and who they are and 
Is that related to attachment styles? Like that sounds kind of like secure attachment versus like avoidant attachment or anxious attachment or. I'm not sure. No? Okay. I don't know. I can. Please talk to us about attachments. I'm like, what is that? No, talk I don't know enough about <laughs> it to go on about it, but I know that like there are four different attachment styles and it kind of mm. works like a Jacobin's window. Is that what it's called? Beats me. All right. We'll have to come back Shalina. to that. All right, everybody. It'll right be linked now. in the show notes. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's a thing, though. And yeah, that what you're talking about sounds like, because it happens in childhood where those roots of attachment mm-hmm. and your attachment style kind of starts being developed. Mm-hmm. And then it influences then how you approach all the things. Yeah. All yeah. the things. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, but I do not know nearly. No, nope. man, look. That's all I'm gonna say because I'm probably already wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just going on the internet. What could what could be well, what could, what go, could go wrong? Yeah, exactly. Let's just add to the misinformation out there. Yeah, sure, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, so I think yeah, it sounds like we all agree that like home is most important. So then maybe you could argue like, well, then it doesn't matter where your kid goes to school. You can just put him anywhere because home is home, and you guys are the parents and enough said and i think that's an ex- i think that's taking it too far on the one side of the road you know you're on the you're on this ditch and then you could go the other side <laughs> of saying like school is everything and then well school has no effect i think i still think that school matters and school environment matters mm-hmm. and i assume you guys believe that because as far as i understand you guys well i think you just said you're planning on homeschooling mm-hmm. and i don't know maybe when you first got married Maybe that wasn't the plan. I'm curious. So I'm curious what yeah. that kind of progression looked like for you guys. Um, yeah. So actually, uh, I think I can speak for Killing as well. When we, you know, had our oldest daughter, I don't think we had any designs. We never talked about homeschooling. Um, she knew I was. I knew I was, as it turns out. Um, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> amazing. Self awareness. That's good. Uh, but interestingly enough, I think it was kind of unspoken between us, but when we both started working for a Christian school, I think it was kind of the understanding that she would just grow up in that and do that. Um, it really wasn't until God kind of grabbed me by the shoulders and shook me around a little bit about this idea, um, not even at a, uh, a school conference, an educational conference. I went to a church conference that was geared toward church leaders. Um but one of the pastor's wives talked about family and talked about how leaders, uh, Christian leaders, have to have a demonstrably good track record of leading their family first before they start expecting to see uh, their leadership exploits elsewhere excel. Um, Wait, what a crazy idea. That <laughs> Amazing. You should be a good father and a good husband before you should pastor a church. You know, if only more people <laughs> right? realized yeah. what seems obvious. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Side conversation. Yeah. Uh, that's another podcast. <laughs> right. Um, but amazingly, it just, it fired me up. Like this message that this pastor's wife was talking about. And she she shared this anecdote about how they as parents saw the call of God that was on their daughter's life and they started to see these pictures and and dreams and visions of what their daughter could be, you know, given the right shepherding that people who saw that, who could pour into that and can pull it out. And they 
brought their daughter to their her first day of kindergarten and just wept about the fact that they felt like they were just kind of they knew they saw a, a road and a path for their daughter to be set on and were knowingly putting her into the hands of somebody who not their fault but doesn't know that so this is a public kindergarten I believe so. It might have even been I a think so. church kindergarten. Either just, way, it uh, wasn't even so much about like where it was. It was more like the parents had this realization of, I think this is our responsibility right now to pour into this. So when I look at that, one, I realized just simply, I just had an awareness that this school that we were working for, as much as we loved it, they didn't know our daughter like that, nor did I know them well enough to be able to go, here's my most prized possession. Mm -hmm. Here you go. Now, just to play the, the, the other side of this, I feel like if it were a situation where maybe her, her kindergartner, her kindergarten teacher or something where we had a relationship with them and mm -hmm. Keeleen kind of alluded to that earlier, where it was like it was someone we know and it was like I feel I, I, I trust you with my most prized possession like I, I trust you with my daughter's life like I feel like if there's that trust there that's beautiful and awesome and encouraged um, I think just in this case right now I came home I didn't tell Kayleen hey we're homeschooling our kids I just came home and I told her what I heard and how it was throwing me for a loop. And her initial response was, I don't like that idea. <laughs> and, well, Kayleen, can you just, I want to hear you walk through the, what, what, what got you on, on to where we're going now? I think, well, originally it was that, uh, yeah, I don't hear that. So I'm going to have to go hear God on that myself because, uh, <laughs> I was enough. like, I can't rely on what God said to him. I was like, I have to know for myself for the sake of our relationship that if we decided to go down the homeschooling path, which it turns out we are. And when it gets hard, because it is going to get hard, I don't look back at him and be like, this is your fault. <laughs> you know, it's like, I know on my relationship with God that, that this is what he asked us to do. And I think I figured out that he had, he was asking that of me. It took me at least a mm, couple months um, because I had just finished my master's. I had just gotten in a place of being vice principal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I have arrived. I am here. <laughs> I am living, you know, my best life or whatever. Um, Thanks, and, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, this is going on the internet. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically I was like, I've, I've hit the place that I want to be. Like I was helping coach teachers and I was doing all the things that I had dreamed about doing. And then to come home and talk about, well, maybe we should look at something else. I was like, this was not on my 10 year plan. Yeah. <laughs> like as a planner, it was very hard. Um, and it took several different instances of like God showing me through everything from what I was reading in the Bible to conversations that I had to people that I normally wouldn't have had those conversations to even like videos that started pop popping up on my Facebook feed about the years one to five are the most critical age of da 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 da. <laughs> and I'd be like, Jake, look at this video. 
and then I'd start crying being like, it's, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Um, but eventually just coming to the point of like, I've also had this desire to teach early childhood education, like for forever and being like, okay, well maybe I can do this, but if I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. And I don't want, cause I've seen homeschooling not work yeah. before. Yeah. We've, yes. I've seen students who come in at ninth grade and they have a fifth grade reading level. Why yes. are you looking at me when you say that? Oh, I'm not looking at you. <laughs> wow. It's just endearing under the bus <laughs> since they can't see her. That's just wrong. <laughs> You're an English major. You're safe. It's not about you. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's surprising. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, I've seen it go wrong. I've seen moms who homeschool also be so alone yeah. and so yeah. overwhelmed and I was like, but I'm happy where I'm at and I don't want to go to that place. So we've been talking about how do we how do we do this in a way that is healthy for the kids, mm-hmm. healthy for me. Because mm-hmm. um, the plan is for you to stay home mm-hmm. and do the homeschooling mainly and Jake will be making money and working <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the latter part. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. So we both left teaching this past year, like official like classroom teaching. He's going into sales and I'm doing like some teacher coaching and mostly homeschooling. Gonna try. Beta test. There you go. <laughs> Gotta start the homeschooling. Somewhere. Yeah. But with the idea of I think like tying it back to public school, private school, homeschool, I think it's all about those initial years that in the first you know, a couple years, if the kids have a good foundation at home and then they have really solid foundation, like even up to, I don't know, like through third or fourth grade, if they Mm -hmm. have a solid foundation at home and academically, I think from there they could go almost any direction and be strong, you Mm. know? But if you put them in an environment where they're, this is my opinion, if you put them in, say, say a public school at really early age and they're being fed all these things about identity and about, you know, about who they are and who their friends are and how the world, this, you're not there to go, Hey, here's what our family believes. Or even just, it's okay to talk back to the teacher. It's okay to throw a fit. And we put up like, even Mm -hmm. like big worldview stuff. That's Or even just, I think those little things Mm -hmm. of do we respect our teachers or do we get away with being mouthy uh, mm-hmm. And and even I just see this as as a from a high school perspective. So with my obviously my Christian worldview and all of those, like I care about not just your behavior. I care about your attitude and what you're thinking, and not from like a communist like I want to control your thoughts kind of thing, yeah. but just like character. Character. Yeah. Character is inside, or it starts inside and works its way out, and so. As a public school teacher, I really only can address behavior, even if I know that there's disrespect happening or there's sassiness happening or whatever. Like I only I can only go so far in even talking about it. And again, it's not because I want to control and just, you know, beat the whatever out of beat the attitude out of them and make them make them love me. Like it's not like that, but it's like I want more for them. And I I. I would even at least want to talk about it. Yeah. Like, hey, can we talk about your attitude? Can we talk about um, why you're so resentful about being in my class and, and things like that? Mm-hmm. And I think if there's a common worldview, a Christian basis, we can have that conversation. Yeah. In the public school, it's just like, Floyd, what 
why are you on my case? Like, I don't have an attitude. What's your deal? You know, it's like, there's not even a place to even talk about it. So mm. not that I'm in, yeah, again, not that I'm interested in just like, like I'm going to form who you are as a person, but it's like, I don't even have a platform to talk about things that I know are going on, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe I have a kid that's, that's has a habit of being deceptive of lying or, mm-hmm. or being manipulative, like whatever it is, like even that stuff, um, I think can very easily go completely unchecked mm-hmm. in a public school type of environment. Sorry, yeah. just I'm just going off agreeing with yeah. all that to say I agree with you, Kayleen, of yeah. like I, that goes all the way down to kindergarten, I think. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So whether it is identity and sexuality and like all that stuff that is happening in kindergarten yeah. in some places, even the like less crazy stuff, quote unquote, that yeah. for us as parents is a big deal. As Christian parents, I think is a big deal. Yeah. Well, Karina would come home. Karina would come home even from like a Christian school and not something her teachers did wrong, but her, something her, her, her friends would say yeah. like, right. Oh, they said such and such. And, or she came home and she rolled her eyes for the first time. And we were like, <gasps> like, what is that? And so we had to address it, you know, it's just like talking about the little things. Um, but I think also in a, in a Christian school, like it's expected both Christian and, um, like church schools, it's expected that character is a part of that development. Like I can't tell you how often we've had meetings to talk about how we're going to shape character. Hey, let's let, is anybody else having an issue or seeing this with this kid? Hey, well let's, let's all talk about it. We all pray for that student. We're all thinking about that student and they're on our list. And then we each have these interactions with them. We're talking with mom and dad at home and it's like this, you know, this wider relationship, but it's also expected in, right. in the Christian schools. I think there's just a, maybe a baseline understanding, maybe not always verbalized, but definitely an understanding that character trumps behavior in a Christian school setting. Like it's not enough for behavior to be mastered all the time if there is still, like, you know, to, to use your example, Daniel, about, you know, uh, an, an obvious attitude or a a disrespect or a dislike for your fellow man like i think a christian teacher at a christian school at least in my classroom like i'm gonna get at that yeah as a christian a huge one teacher a huge one that came up a lot when i was at my church school when i was in high school was complaining Mm. like yeah you did you did what you're supposed to do but if you're complaining complaining and you have a sour attitude and then you're going and you're gossiping with your friends about it it's like from a christian perspective that's destructive yeah, and that's that's not okay. And and mm-hmm. again, it's not like we're gonna like try to like pry that out of you, but we're gonna address that and we're gonna be like, hey, that's not okay. Like that doesn't that doesn't align with the values and the character ideals that that we have in this church slash school community. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I think that's and I think what you said is pretty interesting and poignant about the difference between. Christian private schools and public schools where I hadn't really thought of it that way before. But yeah, it is true. In a Christian private school, uh, it's not totally out of left field for a Christian to sit down with a student, which I've had many of those sit downs with students and have addressed things of character with them. But on the common ground, the common foundation of Christian values, like Mm -hmm. this is not Christ-like. This is not operating in unity. Not being an image bearer is one of our... Yeah, and it's hard to do the the very, I hate this word, but quote-unquote secular thing where it's like, how do you have conversations about character trumping behavior in a 
world that likes to pretend that morality is this you know vague gray blob it's relative it's yeah it's your truth yeah or yeah just like yeah how do you have conversations about that when we we can't pretend to know what morality even is right it's (laughs) yeah and then so so yeah and this is a fun thing to think about so in the um in the postmodern worldview morality is relative where it's like you have your truth i have my truth and like teach why is my teacher trying to tell me how i should be as a person i believe different things and so that's my truth so leave me alone so that's that i think we are now in a place where we're past post-truth and we're we're like in so like i'm just speaking broadly i think of where i see our culture we're we're back to like paganism of like it's not your truth and my truth it's you believe what you believe, and if you try to tell me about that, you are now oppressing me, uh-huh. and your tribe is, you are superimposing your power to oppress, suppress, whatever, my worldview, me as a person, and so now you're attacking me. So right. if you are challenging something about me that that maybe I believe is part of my identity, whether it's personality or, you know, or whatever, the the hot topic, you know, sexuality, something like that, like if you are then challenging that or questioning that, that's an attack now. Like we've gone, we're past post-truth, I think, and we're in mm-hmm. this like, we just see everything as tribes, and it's just like, well, which tribe is gonna gonna win? And you know, and mm-hmm. we we talk like, well, everyone is invited and everyone is valid and everyone is, you know, it's all until you're not until someone questions yours, and then it's like, why are you attacking me? Like, what's the deal? And then yeah, it's so wow, so. Again, all of that to just agree with your point of like, if we have, if we're in a school where we have a unified worldview or set of ideals of what we all believe it, that we're aiming for in terms of our values and, or even the fact that character development is even important in an academic setting, go figure, um, versus an environment where character development may or may not even be viewed as part of the educational process. I can think of, you know, it can a bunch of people be like, well, math is math. So, like, why does it matter what my, what religion the teacher is or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, or whether they're they have this political uh, view on this or whether they, um, you know, cuss in the classroom. It's like it doesn't matter because math is math. You know, it's yeah. like like that's a whole other like how. Yeah. How much. It's crazy how different those scenarios are. Right. Um, based on the kind of philosophical assumptions that are built into the institution. I don't know. That's sure. really wordy, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I think, you know, you got, it's enough to make you wonder. I mean, I'm not sure if we're any closer to our listeners being like, okay, so are you saying Christian school now? Or are you saying public school now? <laughs> like, uh, again, there's probably not going to be like a, an answer that we land on, but I think as a parent, thinking about okay so but where where am i sending my kids i mean there's this obviously for a christian who who cares deeply about these values there's a huge pro on the christian school side of things about we have a baseline uh unifying belief that we can address about these deeper issues and you're not going to get you know uh persecuted for that necessarily or blocked on that however if your kids are in um, in any grade level school at the public school, there was something that was extremely powerful to me about what this 
what this woman was talking about at this leadership conference that uh, really spoke to me. And she she used the phrase family identity. And I think, Kayleen, you, you referenced this, that phrase earlier. Um, and it's this idea of what the parents leading their home are in charge of instilling in their their children, which is this is who we are. Yeah. This is our baseline, our foundation, right? So th- sometimes there are there's well-meaning Christian people who put their kids in Christian schools thinking that Christian teachers are going to build this foundation for them. And mm-hmm. that's an imperfect way yeah. to do it. Yeah. And it's really mom and dad's responsibility to build this foundation of this is who the coffins are. This is the coffin family. The coffin family stand on these values. This is who we are. And you instill that in their kids, in your kids, that when your kids encounter something else, it's not, wow, that's really spinning me out. Who am I? What am I doing? What? Well, I never even knew. It's simply, oh, we don't do that. That's not me. That's not us. That's not a value that we stand on. They recognize it for just it not, right? It's mm-hmm. not this thing that's like, it's not going to throw you off, but it's also not something that you you can abide to be around because you're not even standing on that. You're on a foundation. You're not on a slip and slide. Yeah. I think that's a cool distinction that you made that it's not something that you're like, Oh my goodness, I can't even handle being around this because you have a foundation elsewhere. I don't know. I just think that's a cool point. I think it speaks to, um, a disposition that we sometimes see where Christians want to hide from the rest of culture. Subculture. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, Oh, we're Christian. And so we're going to, you know, we're not even going to touch anything that doesn't have the label of Christian on it because we don't want our kids to be spun off and just go off the deep end and go crazy. And our kids go to a Christian school to protect them from the world. We don't don't even want them. Yeah. We don't even want them to see what's out there (laughs) as opposed to the way you just described. It sounds like, no, they're grounded on a foundation Mm -hmm. so that when they encounter different worldviews, different people, different attitudes, different whatever, they are actually prepared to engage and interact with culture as opposed to, well, we're just trying to hide from everything. Well, and they, it, they have to, I mean, that's something that, you know, Christian parents don't like to think about, but your child has to encounter that else. They have to encounter the other, right? Jesus, when he's praying for his disciples, when he says, people love to say this, we're in the world, but not of it. It's like, but you realize what that means. Jesus is talking to the Father, and he goes, no, I ask you not to take them out of the world, but rather to to ground them, to let them be a light, to let them make an impact, you know? So it's, additionally, I think, you know, there's there's this part of the refining process, again, like what Kayleen talked about earlier, that has to happen by this friction, by this fire. I mean, Jesus's ministry itself was inaugurated by the Holy Spirit <laughs> sending him into the wilderness to be tempted. Yeah. To mm-hmm. be tempted. It's like, okay, Jesus gets baptized. Very next thing, the Holy Spirit sends him into the wilderness to get tempted. Yeah. It's not like the devil came running out of the desert like, ah, oh, let's get him. Yeah. Holy Spirit's <laughs> like, 
nope, let's send you yeah. out. Yeah. Well, he leads him to it. Doesn't yeah. even send him out. He leads him there, you know? Oh, and... That's yeah. a powerful insight. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. cool. So I think, you know, fires for us, like we're humans, right? And just like with gold, like when you when you superheat gold and you melt it, the impurities rise to the surface, right? Yeah. And you either let God deal with that, scoop it off the top, or you just let it settle and, you know, become resentment or bitterness in you and whatever. But um, what's interesting about in the case of Jesus, you know, going and being tempted, like what rose up in him? Well, the son of God, you know, like his, <laughs> the his, word of God, his perfection yeah. was what was revealed. Yeah. Right. But for us as Christian parents, it's kind of just like, okay, what foundation are we building for our kids? And then it's not, okay, sweet. Like, let's just make this foundation. The foundation will never be tough or invincible or impenetrable if it is never tested. Yeah. If its fortifications are never brought to the battlefield, you know? So in a way you are, what does the Bible call children? Like they're arrows mm-hmm. that don't just sit in the quiver all day. It says that you shoot them out mm-hmm. and they're going to hit their mark. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, this whole kids in school business is like, like warfare lingo kind of, I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but it's, it, yeah, but the yeah um again yeah it just but sometimes you have to have that kind of mindset of like Mm -hmm. the the culture around us is not passive about accepting their values and this is again where this kind of goes back to what i said earlier i think we're past postmodernism postmodernism was you got your truth christian whatever i don't care i got my truth whatever but now it's this it's like pagan where it's Mm -hmm. like that there are tribes out there there are people out there that are coming in and are like, if you don't agree with us, then what you say is a hate crime. You're a bigot. You're a whatever. You're a fill-in-the-blank phobic. You know, it's like, it's very much on the offensive. And so you're using warfare terminology, but I think that is appropriate for the the cultural dynamics that we're in right now. So Right. Yeah. Wow. I think the key to know, I think the key to knowing which of the three is the one is that like you said, Shaleen, there isn't one that fits everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think as you were talking, Jake, I came to realize that it's all about the expectation of the parent. It's about the mm. foundation of the parents. And it's also about the expectation of it because if you send a kid to Christian school thinking, Oh, we're going to seclude them and save them from all these things. Yeah. It's like, that's not true. As an it's administrator, something you deal with later. Yeah. Well, even as an administrator, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As in a high school, as an administrator in high school, I can tell you of so many things. I was like, "Wow, I, I, I didn't, I did not have to deal with this when I was in high school, you know." But our these kids have to deal with so much, and they go through so much. It's like sin is sin. Just because you're yeah. you're going to school in a Christian place doesn't mean there's not sin. It's we we have the opportunity to deal with it, but you can't send your kid to a Christian school thinking, "Oh." They're not going to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the hope is that you send them to a Christian school and that they're going to also be trained on how to approach it, mm-hmm. right? But that assumes that the kids are in relationship with the teachers and they're being open with the teachers, that the kids are in relationship with the parents and they're, you know, they're talking with the parents about it. Mm-hmm. So again, it all it all always comes back down to the foundation of the home, you know, and that family identity. And I feel like if the family identity is strong, any of those three can work. You know, and I think yeah. it's all about the 
the situation at home, even as far as jobs go. Like we're in the place where we're able for me to be home and do a little bit of stuff on the side and you go and work so I can homeschool, right? But one of the things I've talked to our HR person about is that right now there's so many houses that have to be two income oh, yeah. all the time. Like that's just where we're at. Mm-hmm. So it's not always the opportunity. There's not always an opportunity for people to homeschool anymore. You know, it, and sometimes there's not even an opportunity for them to go to Christian school because it costs so much. And it's like, okay, so if we send our kid to public school, does that mean they're going to fail and they're not going to love Jesus? No, it's about having a strong identity and having an open relationship where when they encounter those things or when there's a little bit of wind that meets that arrow, it's like you can process that and you can realign it and say, here's who, here's, uh, who we are. Here's how we address this. Here's what we think. Mm-hmm. So. I'm glad you brought up that point about how like even in the Christian school you still deal with sin issues. Oh yeah. And I was thinking about that earlier (laughs) of, um, so Jake was talking about earlier of like the kids need to, your kids need to encounter the world around them. Like they need to be tested. Right. But then there's the other side of it. It was like, your kids are going to manifest their own nastiness throughout their life themselves. And you don't even have to teach it to them. It's free. My, my (laughs) daughter found out how to say no to me all by herself in a, yeah. In a defiant rebellious way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At the age of like one or two, it's like, who'd you hear that from? No, it's, it's innate. Right. And so I think we can also, (laughs) I think we can also fall. Yeah. I think we can get, we can get this pharisaical mindset sometimes of like, oh, this is a Christian household with Christian children. We are sending them to the Christian school because we want to protect them from the bad world. And it's like, we forget. Oh, the bad world's here too. <laughs> it's the bad world is in you. Hello. You are part of the bad world. And the whole point of being a Christian is being like, no, I need to be redeemed yeah. and sanctified by Jesus, who's the only one who was perfect. Because I'm part of the bad world. Dropping truth bombs over here. <laughs> well, I'm just, I've been thinking this whole time about my parents and the way that I grew up because my parents love Jesus, but home was kind of rough growing up. Like we were talking mm. about, like, if you know mom and dad are good, then like the kid can be good. And so from like what I thought of in that moment was it was both for me. Like I remember I did not think mom and dad were good. So I asked my mom, I was like, mom, like, are you and dad going to get a divorce when Mm. I was like seven? Like I was scared. And my, but my mom's response was, Shalene, no, that is never an option. We made a vow before the Lord and before everyone that like, I may not like your dad, but I love your dad (laughs) and we are never going to get a divorce. And so what is Even, this nuance? Yeah, but <laughs> exactly. I'm only seven. <laughs> yeah, but but out of that, that brought a security. Mm-hmm. Mm. So like hearkening back to you guys talking about that and then thinking about like values as a family, the biggest thing was like, we're going to fail you. You got to go to Jesus. Mm. And mm. like there are good and bad people everywhere. Like those yeah. were two of the main things that were on repeat. Mm. Um, and then so then what we were just talking about of there's bad within us. And we got to realize that my Mm -hmm. parents were really good at being like, no, we really mess up. Mm -hmm. So you got to go to Jesus. And I think all along the way, like my parents loved me as best as they knew how, but a lot of things were really messed up. But the whole time, my brother and I are extreme. Both of us like love the Lord. Mm-hmm. so much no mm. question and like have spouses where like that is the th- thing of our lives mm-hmm. 
and everything else comes around that, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I'm just looking at that and I'm like, hmm, good job, mom that's, and dad. Like, yeah. that, they, that is really cool. So yeah. cool and, and just fascinating and a good reminder of, you know, you mentioned that and, you know, I think it's worth mentioning too. That's the same with my parents. I think I was around a similar age when I asked my parents a similar question after they'd had a pretty big fight. And I'd probably recently heard that divorce word somewhere and they were equally mm-hmm. clear. Like, nope, that's never going to happen. Um, but I think, you know, it's like, where, where's the altar in your home? Mm. Like where, mm. where we all, as Louis Giglio would say, we all worship something. Right. You know, and again, in a pagan culture, like you're talking about, it's like, it's not that we don't worship. It's that we're worshiping ungodly you know, carnal things, right? And even when it comes into, like, why we decided uh, to do what we're doing this year with our kids, it's like, I don't want to be caught in a place where I worship the dollar, where it's more important to me, or worship my career. Like, I don't want to be at a point where my career is more important than tending to this, these sheep that God has given me to tend. As parents, it's, where do your where are your kids seeing you go to die? Mm-hmm. Like where are they seeing you pick up your cross? Right? Mm-hmm. Do your kids know that you as a parent are not relying on your own wisdom and your own understanding, but they see you going to God when you mess up? Mm-hmm. So I like that's so cool hearing that your parents were like, Hey, you need to understand that we are not the standard you kids are holding yourselves to. Yeah. We hold ourselves to God and you as parents, you as leaders, you just do it first. I mean, that's what leading is. You go first. Right. So <laughs> mom and dad are the first to climb up on that altar and and die. Right. Yeah. And to pick up the cross and kids look at that and go, Oh, that's well, that's the way. And to admit when they've done it imperfectly. Mm. And to be like, Yeah, this is what we're aiming for and I'm bad at it, so that's why you need to do it. Ah, praise Does that God. make sense? Yeah. Like so cool. You're yeah. gonna put that in our tool belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's cool, and I, it's it's cool. I feel, and you can speak, I think, with some authority on what you just said because, like, you literally did change your career, and all, I don't know, I don't know how much you yeah. like. I don't. For me, it would like I'll say this hyperbolically, like it would kill me to leave teaching. Like I am so passionate. I, hmm. I, I would need like writing on the wall and a burning bush for God <laughs> well, to leave that. But that's but, also in part because God is very much. To put, put me you into in it. teaching. Anyway, oh, yeah. all that to say, I don't know where you fall on like how much you love teaching, but my, but like you did change your career. You're like, no, I'm leaving teaching. Yeah, I'm going into sales so that we can financially do what we feel like God is asking our family. To yeah, do. I mean, if I could speak to that just for a second, I mean, it's it's not even. Yes, it was teaching, and that it was something that I was good at. But it was also like I was the performing arts director at this school. I was right, talking right, about right. things that I love, and so. Really, what I was taught, what I was considering doing, it was, yes, I loved teaching, and it was a big sacrifice to not want to do that. But it was also a huge blow to my identity, hmm. like to how I consider myself. Like I'm one of those guys that took I took a lot of pride, and and Kayleen's nodding her head right now. Like if this was her video, you'd see her vigorously agreeing with me because she had also just recently gone to she's a she's a vice principal i mean like she wasn't kidding when she reached a point and she had had even told me you know with tears in her eyes like i just feel like i have so much vested in this personally wow right 
And it's one thing like we both say, like God has obviously called us and given us these talents. And so for me to consider like going, I'm about to not be that theater guy. I'm about to not be the writing guy, mm-hmm. the English guy. What am I going to be? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a, a, a dad providing for his kids. Like, is that enough? You're going to be the obedient guy. Yeah. And I have to wrestle with that, though, because that's not a very glamorous guy. <laughs> I'm going right? to use like, that terminology, Shaleen. Next time we're like, who are we? We'd be like, we're the obedient people. Yes. Again, <laughs> take it. Take yeah. it and run. Because sometimes that's yeah. all you got. Yeah. yeah. And I have to have a title, don't I? I have to have a title. Oh, well, <laughs> I just told Jake the other day because, you know, I had my, my last paycheck from the job as a teacher and as a vice principal. And I was like... I'm officially not a vice principal anymore. And I told him, I was like, I, it's, I can, I can kind of give it up because I know it's worth it. Yep. I know what we're about to do we're is worth it. We're never going to get this time back yeah. with our kids. I can always go back. You know, mm-hmm. if God, and God has called me to this, I firmly believe to be a teacher to some degree, to be in the performing arts to some degree. And so it's one of those things where like, if God's given it to you, like what on earth can possibly take it from you? Mm-hmm. But also realizing that there's certain time that cannot be redeemed after a certain period of time. So yeah, like yeah. our young kids at home right now, we're never going to get that time back. Right. I can get my teaching back. I can get my performing arts stuff back. That's never going to like be erased off my resume, right? Like it's going to be there. But can I just go back and get that time back with my kids, like the most formative time? I can't. Yeah. You, you're, uh, your oldest daughter is only five years old one time. Correct. Yep. Yep. Wow. Right. Yeah. And mm. that that's what kind of spurred this whole thing of going, especially this last year, taking on like an administrative role, coming home. And like, we were always talking about school because we worked at school together. And I'd be like, my class, da, 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 da. And he's like, my class, da, 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 da. And all, all these good types things. of things. Yeah, good, all good things. Lie. All good things. <laughs> <laughs> but we would talk in the car and then... When we get home, we would keep talking about school and be like, oh, this is what happened to my, not even bad things, but good things. Like, oh my gosh, I tried this in class today and it was awesome. And they hit this three-part harmony and oh my gosh. And you know, all these things, all the things, you know, all the wonderful teaching things. But by the time we got home, I told Jake after a while, I was like, I am running on fumes for the kids. Like they are, they get to see mom for a couple hours from like five o'clock when we pick them up to 7, 7.30 when they, they go to bed. they get the least amount of our energy. Yeah, they get the fumes of what's left at the end of the day. They don't get the, you know, the thoughtful, you know, put together intentional time. Even if we tried to take those two hours and try and make it like mm-hmm. no phones, no TV, no nothing. We're sitting down and we're playing, which we had tried several times. But you you're know? still dead from teaching all day. Yeah, and then you're yeah. irritable and then you're making dinner and you're trying to clean and it's... It was a lot. So it finally got to a point where I told Jake, I was like, I know it's worth it, but my, my flesh wants to go, but who am I if I don't have a title of being this teacher or this mm. assistant principal or this whatever? And I was like, I have to remember, I've been reading so many books about like the, the honoring job and the honorable job of being a mom mm. and that that's a worthy job and a worthy title. And I was like, okay, then I will be that for now. And it's a battle every single day. Because my flesh wants to be like, oh, but who am I? Oh, but they're this person. Who am I? Like, mm-hmm. you know, but to go, this is who well, got the obedient one. That's, yeah, that's going to be. We're going to make t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> merch. <Hey, man. laughs> Honestly, I don't know. If I can make it to the end of my life and that's one of the things said about me, like, I'll take it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And at the end Mm. of the day, like we're accountable for our kids. We're not accountable for the other people's kids who we teach in the classroom, the other 30. Jake and I were like, wow, we're accountable for the three that are at home right now. And the three at home are not even spending the most time with us. They're spending it with other people. Hey, and parents trying to figure out where to send your kids, what she just said, man, I mean, that just that idea scares me. Teachers are not going to be held accountable for your kids. On a spiritual level. On a spi- spiritual before God, level, at the end of the before day. Before God, God yeah. Christian parents, at the end of the day. It's on you. It's on yeah. you. <laughs> and that's right? scary. And that's so weighty. That, but it takes a little bit of the pressure off of the schools, too. Yeah. You know, where it's yeah. like. And I, yeah. And I'm reminded of, I wanted to come back to what you were saying about, how, of like, do I even know this teacher that I'm leaving my kid with and whatever? Right. So, again, so. Try not to swing but two extremes. We're not saying that the only way for parents to responsibly raise their kids is homeschool. We're not right. saying that. Oh, no. Right. We're yeah. just saying that if God were to knock on your front door and be like, hi, I'm God. I just wanted to check in and see, like, <laughs> do you know what's... Hey, well, like, can you tell me no, what's going yeah. on with your kid's education? Can you tell me, like, what, what are they struggling in? Where are they strong? How are they doing? Yeah. You could be in homeschool and be like, yeah, we're working on this and... Mm-hmm little Jimmy and well, little, you, can, you know, is doing great. But you could also be like, no, we have them in this school. We know the teachers. We, okay. we trust the teachers. Right. We know their values. We know their strengths and weaknesses. We communicate with them regularly. Yeah. And like, that is also a valid way to responsibly educate your kids. Yeah. Even if you're not the teacher in the classroom, yeah. you can still responsibly do that with a trusted relationship. Totally. With the teachers who are maybe doing that. Yeah. Think about, you know, going back to the whole family identity and foundations thing, right? You can go the homeschool route thinking that you're building a family foundation, but not. Yeah. You know, so it's, I mean, again, there's, there's failures and successes on both sides. And so I think like when we talk about like parents, you're accountable, you're spiritually accountable for the outcome of your, for your students. That's actually regardless of where they're going. Mm-hmm. to school exactly whether it's a public school whether it's a private school whether you're homeschooled i mean there's all sorts of ways to get educated back there but i think what we're what we're all agreeing with here is that there is an aspect of what is what goes on at home beyond education super education like that is formative for students that actually is more what guarantees a child's success than the physical location of their education. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And each kid is beautifully and wonderfully made. They're, they're made differently. Every family is made differently. Like it says in the Bible, like, you know, some were made to teach, some were made to prophesy, some were made, you know, fill in the blank. It's like, we weren't all made to be teachers. And I know for all of us as teachers in the room, we're like, I wish we were all teachers. No, <laughs> we could have a million podcasts like this and talk about our passions all day long. But <laughs> it's like, but people are made to do different things and work in different capacities. And yeah. so, so work like, the body, right? Like, I mean, if you yeah. know, you, you know, you're sending your kid to get taught by someone who's got like the grace and the gift to teach. I mean, then like, that's you being obedient. Come on, that's yeah. good. Yeah. 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 The analogy I always say is like parents are responsible for feeding your kids. That doesn't mean you have to cook every meal at home for them. Like you can send them to grandma's house and grandma (laughs) feeds them. 
but right. it's still your job to know that that's that they're getting fed tonight. You know, like yeah. that kind yeah. of thing. That's, so that's a good analogy. A, a similar, you can drive yeah. through McDonald's. Wow, I can't McDonald's. say McDonald's. 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 It's Italian now. McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> right, McDonald's can make the dinner, and it's like, but you still were connected. You were connected and involved with that process, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'll try not to say anything judgmental about McDonald's. About I was that. gonna say, but then be aware of what is your child eating, and is that the well, most? Well, okay. I say that too because I actually refuse to eat at McDonald's myself. So. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's just an analogy. Doesn't everyone deny eating at McDonald's though? Isn't that like a, a comedy sketch somewhere? Is that a thing? I'm sure. If it is. you ask someone, do you eat at McDonald's? Like, no, no. Everyone I'll tell acts you, like I'll they're tell not, you what. They're not like, they didn't I, mean to get there. <laughs> I like their frappes. Oh, oh that, I don't really eat at McDonald's, but yeah. I like A the good caramel frappe. Oh, yeah. and that comes from somebody working from Starbucks or who used to work at Starbucks. That was like That's hilarious. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're like working it. in Starbucks, like sipping on your frappe. <laughs> in a Starbucks cup, you, know, you just like switch the cup. Yeah. Right. We had customers come up, can I get a caramel frappe? And we had one very passive oh, aggressive guy who's like, um, you mean frappuccino? Frappes are McDonald's. They're like, oh. That's yeah. That's yeah. the. This is mixed Starbucks. <laughs> mixed Starbucks. That's good. No, but I actually don't eat at McDonald's. So I, I mean, the joke works, Jake. But like, I actually don't. Uh-huh. I eat at Hardee's. Is this us transitioning <laughs> into the more goopy part of our conversation? Well, yeah, no. So I think we're past an hour. So I think this has been good. I think there's a lot more to talk about in this realm, but Ooh. we'll just have to come back and do another episode at some point. But sounds good. Yeah, I just. Jake will have to come to Missouri and have venison. Mm. Yeah, come visit the Midwest. I need some deer heart. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Raw and cooked, and we can compare. <laughs> yes. Oh. We have our own type of sushi. And yeah. The, 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 <laughs> dripping from in between no. his teeth. Don't <laughs> put that out there, Daniel. Don't do that. Okay, well, before yeah. this before this conversation yeah, sorry, devolves sorry, too much, sorry. this has been awesome. I've enjoyed this. Thank you guys for yes, being on thank the show. You. Yeah, All right. absolutely. Thanks, thanks for, for ever- Yeah, thanks for everyone for listening. Tune in next time. We'll we'll see you in the next one. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.